Um, I wonder whether or not you're going to sleep well tonight. I can guarantee you there will be some people in the church who are sleeping well this evening, and that's because they bought a copy of my book, um, which has been released today. Uh, this was just to say, and I'm not going to become one of those annoying speakers who mentions their book at every possible turn, uh, but if you haven't got a copy and you like one, uh, you can add your name to the list out there, and I will make sure that one finds its way into your hands uh, in the days ahead. A bargain at $7.99, a cheap way to sleep um, if you read it uh, at bedtime. Well, I wonder if uh, you've ever yourself fallen into the trap that lots of people fall into of believing some of the many misconceptions that there are about what it means to be a Christian or to have a Christian faith. Uh, for example, here's one. Once you become a Christian, then God is going to solve all, all of your problems. Life is going to be free and it's going to be easy. How about another? Becoming a Christian means you have to give up all the fun things in life. You just have to follow rules and be miserable and walk around looking like you're sucking lemons 24-7. All Christians are loving, perfect people. Do not believe the lie. Take a look uh, around you. Christian ministers and missionaries are somehow way more spiritual than any other follower of Jesus. And how about a final one? Christians never, ever get depressed or as it says in my notes, Christians never get dressed. Uh, <laughs> it's supposed to say depressed. Uh, Christians never get depressed. They never have a down day. They're always on top of the mountain. You see, the reality of my Christian journey is that there are occasional mountaintop experiences. When I experience life as if I'm on top of the world, but much of the time, in fact, maybe most of the time, my everyday life is lived in the valleys. And you know, life can be tough in the valleys. Now, during half term, uh, various members of our family climbed up Snowdon. It was amazing to be 1,085 meters high with a bird's eye perspective of the world. But I'll tell you what, it was seriously hard work going up. And it was really hard work coming down. Why? Because we didn't use the train like the people wearing flip-flops did. <laughs> but whilst we were there on the top of this mountain, we were living with the realization that we'd all had a difficult journey up and we were about to have another difficult journey down. You know, life in the valleys can be really tough, but in the economy of God, life in the valleys is never, ever wasted time. There's an old Arabic parable that says something like this, all sunshine and no rain makes a desert. All sunshine and no rain makes a desert. And what this parable seems to say is if we never have any difficult days, dark days, gloomy days, cloudy days, rainy days in life, then actually we're just going to end up really dried up. You see, the reality of my life, and I guess this is true of yours, is my life is a mixture of pain and pleasure. It's a mixture of victory and defeat, of success and failure, of mountaintops, but too of valleys. And you know what I've discovered is it takes all of these things, the good things and the bad things, to make a mature person. And we've been taking a bit of a journey through Psalm 23 over the last three or four weeks. And this morning, we're going to look at what God has to say about some of these dark valleys that we experience in life. Let me read Psalm 23 to you. It's going to become really familiar to you if it isn't already. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, David says. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Here's our verses for today. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, it overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, in Israel, there is a real valley which is called the shadow of death. It's a steep, deep, narrow canyon. If you put one foot wrong in this canyon, you are a goner. The sun only hits the bottom of the canyon at noon when the sun is up above it. Otherwise, the rest of the time, this canyon is in the dark and it is literally deathly. Now, David, who wrote Psalm 23, was a shepherd. And almost certainly at some point during his childhood or in his shepherding career, he would have journeyed through this shadow of the valley of death or the valley of the shadow of death as he was going about his shepherding business or traveling from one place to another. And as we open up this psalm today, David is applying this valley to his life experience. And he's able to say, even in my darkest valleys, even in my darkest days, God is there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they bring comfort to me. Now, this morning, I want to share with you five really quick facts about valleys that I would encourage you to remember, and then after that, I'm going to share three biblical truths. Now, I know what you're thinking. That sounds like an eight-point sermon. It is. They're really quick. Tough times, valleys. The first thing to notice is this. Valleys are unavoidable. Do you know, valleys are going to happen in our lives, so we may as well prepare ourselves for those tough times. And maybe even as I'm speaking this morning, you're just coming out of a valley. Perhaps you find yourself in the middle of a valley right now. Even if that's not true of you, you better prepare yourself because I can guarantee you a valley, a tough time at some point is coming. After every mountaintop, there is a valley. Now, Jesus was really realistic about all this, wasn't he? If you read John chapter 16, he says this, in the world, you will have trouble. It's almost like it's a promise. It's not a matter of if you have trouble, but when trouble happens to you. Difficulty, disappointment, discouragement is going to be part of our life experience this side of heaven. One day everything will be fine, but this side of heaven, it can be tough. Life does bring our way suffering and sorrow and sickness, frustration, failure, fatigue. Valleys are an inevitable part of our living, so we shouldn't be surprised when they come our way. But second thing to note is that valleys are unpredictable. Do you know the worst thing about a valley is although we know they're ahead of us, we don't always know exactly when they're coming, and we don't plan for them, and we don't schedule them into our diaries. Now, for most of us, that's bad news because we literally live our lives by the clock. But valleys, when they come, are unexpected. They, They normally come at the worst possible time when you don't have time to deal with them or when you're unprepared. I mean, when was the last time you thought, thank goodness I had a flat tire at this moment in my life? When was the last time you you locked yourself out of the house and thought, oh, that's such a convenient moment to lock myself out. I'm so grateful. Or when was the last time you had a really perfectly timed argument with a loved one? You see, there is no such thing as a good time for valleys in life. And I know this is the reality for some of us. It takes a phone call, a letter, a a routine checkup with a doctor, a freak accident, and suddenly you find yourself in a valley. Tragedy can come so quickly, and it just steals everything that you've been hoping for. 
Now, there's an Old Testament prophet called Jeremiah, and he rather gloomily has said something very similar in Jeremiah chapter 4. He says, disaster follows disaster. It's really life-bringing stuff, this, isn't it? Disaster follows disaster. In an instant, my tents are destroyed. My shelter falls in a moment. What's he saying there? He's saying, look, valleys are unpredictable. But thirdly, valleys are indiscriminate. Do you know, I've never met anyone yet, and I'd love to, met anyone who is immune to hardship or pain or sorrow. I know it might seem like some people are just kind of skipping through life, but the reality is is no one gets to journey through life problem-free. And here's something that's worth reminding ourselves. Problems, trials, difficulties, disturbances, downtimes, depressions do not mean in any way, shape, or form that you are a bad person. They simply confirm that you are a person, a person living in the real world, in the world that is not bubble-wrapped. You know, the Bible is incredibly clear that good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. Valleys really don't care how good or bad you are. They are utterly undiscriminating. Now, I bet at this moment you're thinking, I'm so pleased I took the effort to go to church this morning so I can hear this cheery sermon about valleys being unavoidable and unpredictable and undiscriminating. Well, uh, the next two points are good news, so cling on to them. You see, if you're going through a valley experience right now and life is tough, would you know today that there will be an end to that valley experience? Valleys are not unrelenting. Valleys do not last. They're not our, our permanent location. I wonder if you notice what David said in that psalm. He says, even though I walk through the valley, he uses the word through. A valley is not a place where we spend our entire lives. It's something that we go through, but it is through. Maybe it's a circumstance, a situation that you're facing right now. I wonder if you found yourself in a valley. It can seem like a dead end, but it's never a dead end. It's a thing that you travel through. Perhaps a a more helpful metaphor for us is to think of a tunnel. There's a a clear beginning, a clear end, and as you journey through that tunnel, the light begins to appear, and at some point you emerge back in the light. Valleys are not forever. And here's the next bit of good news. Valleys are not wasted time either. Fifthly, valleys are not unpurposeful. Now, although our experiences can be really hard, the Bible assures us that God has a reason for taking us through the valleys and through the difficult times, even if he doesn't cause them. We may well enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we really get to know him intimately in the valleys. Whether it's doubt or depression, despair, discouragement, defeat, God always has a purpose behind that, and God will always use that circumstances for his good. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it says, At this present time, you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. Temporarily is the key word there. They're not going to last forever. You're going to go through. They might be financial valleys or relational valleys, emotional valleys, health valleys, all kinds of different trials, even persecution, which is what Peter's speaking of here. But he says it's temporary. There will come an end. In fact, Peter goes on to say in verse 7 of that same chapter, this is no accident that all of this is happening, that you're being allowed to go through this because it's proving your faith. Somebody shared with me earlier this week this sentence, and I've been really wrestling with it, trying to discern whether I actually agree with it, and I think I do. It says this, a faith that's not being tested cannot be trusted. 
A faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Now, of course, we'd all rather avoid the valleys of life, wouldn't we? But can does and uh, God can and does use them, even if he doesn't cause them, to build and strengthen our faith and our trust in him. Now, I would way prefer that I live my life on the mountaintops, but my faith is rarely built on the mountaintops. True faith, deep faith, is built in the valleys of life. If my life were just lived on the mountaintops, I know exactly how my life would be. When things are going fine, I have a tendency to forget about God and go it alone. It's only when I come face to face with a dark valley that I tend to get down on my knees and really push into the things of God. I wonder if you've ever experienced that to be true in your own life. You see, that's where our faith is tested and it's proved, not in the good times necessarily, but especially in the valleys. Do you know, here's something that's really hard to hear, but I found it, true to be only, found it to be true in my own life. God is far more interested in your character than he is in your comfort or your convenience. God's goal is not to make life comfortable for us, but actually he wants to build our character. God is way more concerned about our holiness than he is about our happiness because his goal actually is to make all of us more like his son, Jesus. And if he's going to make us like Christ, then we quite literally are going to have to live lives which maybe replicate something of what Jesus went through in his life. Jesus was never exempt from suffering. Jesus was somebody who experienced loneliness. Jesus was somebody who was tempted. Jesus was tested, misunderstood, mismaligned, and criticized unjustly. He knows what it is to suffer. That's the nature of our Savior. God's desire for us, even as we go through the tough things, is to be shaped more into the likeness of his Son, even as we go through the valleys. So I guess all that leaves us with a question. If valleys are, as I've suggested, unavoidable, unpredictable, and undiscriminating, what do we do when we're going through uh, these dark alleys? Well, in Psalm 23, David says three things. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, last week, I was at a skate park in New Milton. If you've ever been to the skate park, I wasn't skating, I hasten to add. I took the children to the park next door. And as I was in the skate park in New Milton, there's a a ramp, which is probably about the height of the lower level of the windows. And there was this child at the top of the ramp, kind of teetering on the edge on his skateboard. And he was wearing some of that really cool skate um, clothing, uh, which said, no fear across the front. No sense is what I was thinking to myself, but nonetheless, his t-shirt said, no fear, and then he came down the ramp. This kid was utterly unafraid. And if David as a shepherd were into fashion, and I don't know if they are, my guess is that David would choose to wear a t-shirt too that said, no fear. I fear no evil, I fear nothing, no fear. That's what David is able to say. Why? Because he believed and he'd put his faith and his trust in God. That's what David is able to say. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, no fear. Now, I wonder if you'll notice something with me as David says all this. He says, even though I walk through the valley of death. I think it's a very deliberate choice of words here. I don't know about you, but if I found myself in a difficult place, in a scary place, I want to run, I want to panic and go the opposite way as quickly as I can. But David says here, even if he's using it as a metaphor, that he's choosing to walk with God through that difficult place. And as I think of walking, I think of moving calmly and deliberately without panic and without 
hurry. And in a sense, I think here, David's choice of words implies a choice. It implies a, a decision to walk and to, to not be afraid. I wonder this morning if you find yourself feeling discouraged or despondent about something. And I ask this as a question. I don't make it as a, a statement of fact. I just ask the question, is it possible at all that we've chosen to be discouraged? You know, I know from my own personal experience, and I think this has been true of the week that's just been for me, that my feelings can bring about my sense of discouragement when I allow something which is not going right to dominate my mind and to destroy the joy that God has promised for my life. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes in the tough things that we, we wrestle with, we end up making that the lens or the filter through which we, we view the whole of our life, even if other things are not necessarily quite so bad. Instead of keeping my eyes focused on God and all the positive things in life, I find it much easier to dwell on the negative. But when we dwell on the negative, it nearly always produces a feeling of discouragement. Now, without a doubt here, David has been through some dark times and some tough times, and I don't doubt for a second he's felt discouraged, but he knew, he seemed to know how important it was to maintain his focus on God's wider picture and not to allow one particular dark and temporary valley to utterly crush his spirit. Secondly, remember that God is with you. How do we do all of this in practice? How do we choose not to be discouraged? Well, Psalm 23 gives us the answer. By focusing on God's power and his promise of his presence rather than on your problem. I will fear no evil because you are with me, David says. Do you know, God never ever promised that we would never go through a valley, but what he has promised is that we will never go through that valley alone. We have a God who is God Emmanuel, God with us. When you find yourself in, in the valleys of your life, you need a power source that's way bigger than yourself. If you think you're going to make it through this life without a power source who's greater than yourself, then forget it. You're not going to make it. You're just going to do it on your own, and it won't be successful. Not one of us has sufficient power to handle all the things that will come our ways in life, but God does, and he promises to be with us. He promises to be our strength and our power, but more than that, he promises to journey with us, almost like a pilgrim on a journey through that particular circumstance. Isaiah 43, verse 2, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. There's nothing to fear when Jesus is near. That's the cheesiest line of this sermon, but some of you are going to take that away and say that was the best bit. There's nothing to fear when Jesus is near, when he's with us, and he promises he will be. You know, what's so interesting to me is that in verses 1 to 3 of this psalm, all of the pronouns are in the third person. In other words, David is talking about God. He leads me beside still waters. He guides me into green pastures. He restores my soul. David, in a sense here, is describing his walk with God. But did you notice when he gets to the valley, it changes to second person pronouns. In other words, he's done with talking about God and he gets down to the business of talking to God. When you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You see, when I go through a tough time in life, when I go through the valley, it's not enough to only talk about God, but I need to talk to God. When you're in the mire, in the tough place, religion becomes a relationship. And if you talk to anyone who's been a Christian for any period of time, they'll probably say to you, do you know, one of my closest times with God was when I was face-to-face with an encounter in the valley. That time when you were spent, depleted, perplexed, despaired, when the only person left to talk to actually was God. He becomes real and he says, do not fear. I'm with you. You're not in this circumstance by yourself. And then finally, this psalm reveals... a third source of hope and encouragement for us as we go through the dark valleys. David reminds himself that God's rod and his staff comfort him. He reminds himself that he can rely on God's protection and his guidance. Now, the rod and the staff were two basic tools for a shepherd that he used to protect and to guide his sheep. The rod was basically about two feet long, and at the end was a really heavy knot, and the skilled shepherd would throw this rod like a missile at anything that would come to attack the sheep. God says to you today, when you go through the valley, I'm with you and I will defend you. When you go through the valley, I'm with you and I will protect you. When you go through the valley, I've got your back. My rod will protect you. I wonder if you need to hear that today. A staff was a long stick. Think of the stereotype of a shepherd with a crook and you've got it. And the shepherd would use his staff to guide and to comfort the sheep, to draw the sheep close to himself to lift the sheep when they're downtrodden, when they flipped onto their backs, maybe to flick it over. But the shepherd too would use his staff to guide the sheep. When you go through the valley, you're not going through it alone. God is with you and his rod and his staff are there to comfort, to guide you and to protect you. Great quote from Corrie ten Boom, and then I'm going to finish. She said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never, ever be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. The future is uncertain. But our God is known. He's revealed himself to be with us. He's revealed himself to be a good shepherd He said he'll journey with us and he'll protect us and he'll guide us. I wonder if you know him. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Really thrilled this morning that Lauren uh, is with us. And Lauren's going to explain who she is and why she's sharing this morning. But she just asked whether she could share something of her own journey of faith, her testimony uh, on this particular theme. Thanks, Lauren.